I know something about you. I know that you want your life to make a difference. I know you want your life to count for something. And because you want your life to count, you do things you hope will make a difference in the lives of other people, which leads to my first of three questions I'd like to ask you. And the first question is, what do you do? What do you do to make a difference? Not what did you used to do or what do you hope you'll do someday in the future, but what do you do now to make a difference? Uh, maybe you devote your life to your kids to make a difference in the lives of your kids, or maybe you're employed in a helping profession, or maybe you serve in a BlackRock ministry, another organization that designed to help kids or adults, or maybe you give financially to help people. Or maybe you just try to be a, a good friend by uh, being a good listener or offering encouragement to your friends along the way. What is it that you do uh, to make a difference? That's the first question. The second question is, why do you do it? Uh, and you know what I mean. I mean your deeper motivation for why you do what you do to make a difference, which may require a little bit of honesty because uh, maybe the reason you devote your life to making a difference in your kids is because you want others to be impressed with you. Or maybe you're in a helping profession, but all you really care about is the paycheck. Or maybe you give financially to make yourself feel good and feel powerful and empowered. Or maybe you uh, encourage your friends, but you really don't care about supporting them. You just want to be liked. So what is your real motivation for what you do to make a difference? Which leads to the third question. And that is, what do you think matters most? What you do or why you do it? I mean, what matters most when it comes to doing something good, uh, like maybe uh, watering uh, your neighbor's houseplants while your neighbor is gone for an extended vacation? Uh, what matters more, what you do or why you do it? I know that most of us, we think that when it comes to good deeds, what really matters is what we do, not why we do it. Those house plants are going to die if nobody waters them. Who cares why I choose to do it? Uh, that's what we think. We think that what matters is the good deed and who cares about the motives? Well, I know somebody uh, who would disagree with that uh, way of thinking, and that person is God. Last time we uh, launched the uh, message series we're calling The Greatest Thing. Uh, it's a study in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And if you're watching online, you'll have that scripture on the screen before you. But if you're in the backyard, yay, all you hundreds of black rockers uh, in the backyard right now, you may not have a screen. Uh, so you may want to open your Bible if you have it or uh, open your Bible app to 1 Corinthians 13, where inspired by the Holy Spirit, the Apostle Paul writes this. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. 
So what is the greatest thing? The greatest thing is love. But what makes love the greatest thing? Well, in the words we just read, we can see that love is the greatest thing because in my quest to make my life count for something, love, love, love is the only thing that makes it count for anything. Now, if that sounds shocking to you, good, because what God says in those uh, first words of 1 Corinthians 13 is meant to be shocking. It's, it's God communicating something shockingly important to anyone who really wants their life to count for something in God's eyes. So let's take a little deeper look at some of these shocking words from 1 Corinthians 13, starting with that to God. If I speak in t angelic tongues but do not have love, I'm just a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. Do you know uh, that word for uh, resounding gong? Do you know what it means in the original Greek? It means uh, a grating, annoying, metallic noise that does nothing, does absolutely nothing except draw attention to itself. You know that uh, word for clanging cymbal? You know what that means in uh, uh, the original Greek? Uh, it it refers to these metal pans that they used to bang together in pagan temples in a vain attempt to please these make-believe deities. Uh, and then we're told that if I have a faith that can move mountains, but if I have not love, I am nothing. And if I give all I possess to the poor, but if I have not love, I gain nothing. Now, you know that word for nothing? You know what it means in the original Greek? It means nothing. What would you, what, you expect? Not every Greek word has, you know, a uh, cute backstory. Uh, the word, Greek word for nothing means nada, zip, zero, nothing, which is shocking. And it makes me ask, uh, God, are you really saying that if I uh, do a good deed for someone but I do not have love, that that good thing is worthless to that person, to those people? Uh, and the answer is no. Uh, scripture does not say that uh, my good deed without love is worthless to others. Uh, scripture says my good deeds without love are worthless to God and worthless toward making my life count for something. Uh, which we may say, how does that work? How can my good deeds without love be both worthwhile and worthless at the same time? Well, let me give uh, an example. Uh, let's say you are shopping with a friend and you uh, end up in an upscale shop and your friend finds a leather bag and brings that leather bag to the counter and the shop owner starts to process the transaction. And in the middle of the transaction, your friend says, whoa, I don't have my wallet and turns to you and says, could I have $100? And uh, just so happens that in your wallet, you've got a crisp uh, $100 bill. And so you lay it on the counter. Uh, the transaction is completed. That $100 bill uh, gets your friend into this uh, classy leather bag and gets your friend out of trouble. And uh, you walk away, but not too much later, 
that shop owner is uh, writing a, a birthday card uh, to her daughter, Cindy, in college. And before sealing this uh, birthday card, uh, she sees your $100 bill, takes it and slips it into the envelope, sends it off to Cindy. Cindy gets the uh, birthday gift and says, wow, a $100 bill. I can get those textbooks that I need for my classes. I can get them secondhand uh, from my friend Jason. So she gives the $100 bill uh, to Jason. Jason uses it to uh, buy groceries uh, for food that he needs for his uh, table. And the grocer takes that $100 bill, brings it to the bank. And as soon as the bank, uh, banker receives this $100 bill, he rips it up. Why? Because the banker can tell that your $100 bill is a phony, a fake, counterfeit, worthless. But just think of all the worthwhile things your $100 bill did. Uh, got your friend out of trouble, got your friend a leather bag, became a birthday gift, got Cindy her textbooks, Jason got food for his table. It's just that when your $100 bill got to the only eyes that matter, that those eyes could immediately tell that your $100 bill is worthless because it's my motives that matter most to God. And love, love, love is the only motive that matters. My motives matter most to God. But of course, motives matter to people too. Uh, if people could see our bad motives that God is able to see, well, they would consider our good deeds funny money to just rip up too. I mean, if your uh, neighbor knew that the reason you offer to water her houseplants is because you are nosy and you want to snoop around with free access in her house and to, uh, peeking into her private uh, drawers and closets. See, motives matter to everybody, but they matter most to God. Uh, and all this talk about motives, uh, I don't know about you, but it can start to get me down. And I can start wondering uh, if I've ever done anything in my life that was purely motivated by love. I, I begin despairing that, uh, have I done anything that really counts in uh, God's eyes? Am I nothing? Have I gained nothing? But this, this is negative thinking, and it, this negative thinking is not God's purpose in 1 Corinthians 13. Uh, God's purpose in 1 Corinthians 13 is not to show me how without love I am nothing. God's purpose is to show me how with love I am really something. How with love I can really have an impact in my relationships. How with love I can have a life that really counts for something. Uh, God wants to open my eyes to how with love motivation, his love motivation growing in me, my life can really count for something, both now and for all eternity. Uh, and God is not just offering this as a theory. God has proven this in history for everyone to see. God has proven what it looks like when one person just lives purely motivated by love. We've seen this person in history. Think about this person who has blessed this world more than any other person who's lived on this planet. 
Think about this person who has transformed the lives of billions over 2,000 years and continues to do so today. Think about this person and what makes this person the one who has made a bigger difference than any other person in history. Think about this person and what makes this person really something. That person is Jesus. And what really makes him something is his love. It's love. We're still singing about Jesus 2,000 years later. Uh, we're still singing to Jesus. Uh, and we're not singing his praises because he turned water into wine or because he healed people or even raised people from the dead, but because he loves people. And his love, as it's experienced by people one by one, changes them completely and makes the complete difference in their lives. And Jesus suffered for you completely out of his motivation of love for you. Jesus died for you, motivated only by his love. And Jesus rose again to live in you with his love so that empowered by his love, you could be motivated more and more by love in a way that would really cause you to live more and more like this person who made the biggest difference. And more and more, you could live a life that really counts for something both now and for all eternity. Jesus' love is the greatest thing. So let's talk about it. Let's talk about uh, how you can grow more and more in a life that matters by growing more and more to be motivated by what matters most to God. Love. Hi, I'm here with uh, Caleb Hudson, who is our Director of Community Life here at BlackRock. And uh, Caleb and I just want to have a little conversation designed to help us apply the message that uh, we just heard about how my motives uh, matter most to God and how love is the only motive that really matters. And so, Caleb, I've got uh, three questions to kind of uh, guide us through uh, this uh, conversation. And uh, the first question is uh, related to how bad motives can take a, a worthwhile act or deed and turn it into something pretty worthless. Uh, so here's the first question. Uh, have you ever been grateful for someone's kind act until you found out their hidden motives? Uh, yeah, that, that's good. That reminds me of a story. Um, my wife and I had, we had these really good friends that we loved, you know, spending time with, but because of just the busyness of life, that didn't happen as often as we would like. And uh, so after kind of a long time without seeing them, we had kind of text from them out of the blue, said, hey, let's grab dinner. And so we got all excited and we lined up a babysitter and got dressed up, went out to the restaurant and then uh, sat down and ordered our food. And as soon as the waiter left, our friends kind of dropped this bombshell of some surprising, unexpected, sad news about their uh, kind of future plans. And uh, all of a sudden, this uh, great evening that was, we thought was all about kind of reconnecting turned into something different and, uh, and much uh, less exciting for us uh, as we thought about their future. And um, so yeah, the, the motives weren't exactly what we thought they were at the front. It also kind of makes me think of a story I heard the other day about a guy who was reached out to by a, a friend from way back on social media, and, and he got all excited. They started exchanging some messages, and then 
Um, turns out um, that what the guy really wanted was to tell him all about this new marketing scheme <laughs> that he was a part of and this great product that he wanted his friend to try yeah. and, and share. And so, uh, again, the motive wasn't exactly to reconnect on this old friend. It was something else kind of yeah. under the surface. Yeah, I think we've all had that, that one. In fact, it, makes me rem it kind of reminds me of uh, a situation I uh, had, which was a close friend from high school uh, and uh, really good friends, but we hadn't seen each other for uh, a long time. And suddenly I get a, a reach out from him and saying that he misses me, he'd love to get together, rekindle our friendship, and uh, so excited. I know he was driving from a long way away, and uh, we get together and hugs and laugh and talk and uh, talk and laugh. And then uh, near the end when he's a bit getting ready to leave, well, then all of a sudden we get a sob story about a real financial downturn. And the next thing I know, I'm giving him uh, $400. And uh, even as I'm giving it to him, I'm thinking, what is this? Well, then later, uh, I did find out from another source about his gambling addiction, and I never saw him again. And uh, and it was just one of those situations where, you know, something that seems like such a blessing uh, with motives becoming revealed becomes something more like a curse. So I think we get it. I mean, mm -hmm. we, we get uh, the, the message from 1 Corinthians 13 that matters, uh, motives matter to God, and they really can be what separates what's worthwhile uh, from worthless. But... Let's turn the microscope around now from uh, you know, our friends uh, with bad motives to the fact that we often have motives that are pretty uh, worthless as well. Uh, we have an infinite ability to kind of think of ourselves as supremely loving, uh, but when you take the mask off a lot of our deeds, it's uh, very clear that uh, we're motivated by something a lot less than love. So uh, here's our second uh, question. Uh, sometimes we do things that look like love but are not. What are some of the motives that masquerade as love? Yeah, that's, that's so true. And what that makes me, me think of in myself even is how uh, sometimes I, if I'm really honest, I think I'm more concerned with being seen or being thought of by other mm -hmm. people as somebody who is loving and, and really kind as opposed to actually being that person on the inside. Mm -hmm. And I think that kind of plays itself out when I think about how easily motivated I am to love and care and, and uh, serve someone who in some way can either, you know, talk to other people about what a great team player I am or can, uh, you know, give me something back in return. And then on the flip side, how, how uh, little motivated I feel or, or am to uh, love someone who really can't or won't love me back. Mm -hmm. And it just makes me think of what Jesus said when he talked about how, you know, what good is it if we only love the people that love us mm -hmm. back, right? Mm -hmm. uh, everybody does that to some degree. Uh, that, that doesn't show anything about how you uh, follow me uh, if that's the only way that you love others. Mm -hmm. You're making me think of the uh, fact that, you know, really in a strange way, it's the difficult people in our life that really unmask our motives uh, on the inside. Because uh, when it comes to our friends or favorite people, we can think that we're loving all day long, but we know that we're going to be getting something back. There's going to be kindness coming back. But it's the difficult people in our lives who, you know, don't treat us well or uh, who will never return uh, what we're giving. They're the ones that as if we can really uh, show good 
love uh, good things and good deeds toward them and help and, uh, and ex- express uh, goodness toward them, that's really exercising that muscle of uh, a love motivation. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we really need these difficult people uh, in our lives. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you don't have any uh, difficult people in your life, you need difficult people. And so call the church office. We've got a, <laughs> we've got a whole list of people sure. that we can uh, assign uh, to you. Uh, so, uh, you know, if you have difficult people in your life, that can be an opportunity to grow in a love motivation. But uh, you have to be in a place where you want that to happen. And so I, yeah. uh, I was just thinking about how I had a conversation recently about a difficult person talking to someone else about that person. Mm-hmm. And I found myself uh, saying things like, this difficult person, we need to help this person. We need to pray for this person. Mm-hmm. But then as I kind of turned the microscope on my motives uh, later, I realized that was not motivated. That, that language was not motivated. Uh, that help talk, that prayer talk was not motivated by compassion. Mm-hmm. It was motivated by complaining. Yeah. And, uh, uh, and I felt especially kind of negative about how I used prayer talk uh, because what a shame that we can often use, you know, prayer requests or prayer talk as a way to actually, you know, complain uh, and, uh, and to mess up our motives right. uh, when it comes mm-hmm. to other people. And, uh, and that prayer can actually be the greatest tool that is teaching us that love motive, which uh, actually gets us to the, uh, the third question, which is how can we grow uh, to be motivated more by Jesus' kind of love. And if you don't mind, I'll, I'll take a first sure, stab yeah. at this because it connects to the yeah. uh, prayer idea. And I think the way that we can grow in Jesus' kind of love motivation is the uh, habit of uh, doing things, good things in secret. Uh, whether it be uh, helping someone in secret without them knowing about it or just yeah. doing things that are related to, uh, to love, loving another person it, without trumpeting it or them knowing about it, which of course is what Jesus talks about in Matthew 6 about, he says to his followers, don't be like the religious hypocrites who uh, give or fast or pray on a street corner so people can see it. But instead, when it comes to prayer, he says, go into your closet uh, when it's just you and God in private and pray. And the Father who sees you in secret will reward you. Mm. And I got to believe that one of the rewards that Jesus is thinking about is the reward of growing our love motivation. Uh, Because if I'm praying blessing upon my favorite people or my difficult people, uh, just me and God, uh, the motive has to be love. And God rewards that by taking that love motivation that grows out of the closet and into my other relationships. Yeah. And what, and what I think I hear you saying is that if we want to be people that are motivated by Jesus' love, then we need to know how Jesus did that, right? right. Uh, and one of the best ways I've found to, to understand that is to look in the Bible and particularly in the gospels and, and read them with the, the, a lens and an eye that's looking for how did Jesus love other people? Mm-hmm. And uh, what we see there is that, like you were saying, Jesus prayed for other people. Mm-hmm. We know that that's recorded there. And we also know that Jesus loved other people just in his everyday life as he was going along his regular routines and business. Um, it wasn't like he had to wait for a special um, program where he was going to be uh, the opportunity to love people or he carved out certain segments of his calendar and say, okay, now is when I'm going to be loving people. Right? It was just this natural thing that happened as he went about his everyday life. And it didn't matter if a person was high status or low status, if they were rich or poor, if they were sick or well, Jesus treated them with the same uh, authentic- authenticity and authentic love 
uh, that we want to show uh, and, and allow other people to experience through us. Well, that's excellent. So these are at least two you know, things that we can do uh, as we respond to this message is we can do things in secret and even pray in secret and try to grow that uh, love, but also read the Gospels and watch Jesus in action mm-hmm. and follow his model. So mm-hmm. thanks a lot, Caleb. Yeah, sure. I think that's, yeah. uh, that's excellent. And uh, I think we're on our way toward really applying uh, this idea of how to live a life that matters because we're motivated more and more by what matters most uh, to God. Uh, That's love. So thanks a lot.